Welcome to Off the Grid, the storytelling podcast about all things football. I'm Doug Farrar, your host. In our first episode, we'll be talking about the NFL's recent and unexpected admission, after decades of denial, of the link between football and CTE. When Jeff Miller, the NFL's Vice President for Health and Safety, said before the House Committee on Energy and Commerce on March 14th that there was certainly a link between football and CTE, the degenerative brain disease that has plagued a disproportionate number of former professional football players, it was seen as a groundbreaking admission from a league that had done everything it possibly could to hide data asserting that link for decades. Some believe Miller's comments to be an epic slick of the tongue under congressional pressure, and perhaps he'd be buried by the NFL for his candidate. Surprisingly, the exact opposite happened. When I reached out to an NFL spokesperson for a comment on what Miller had said, I was given this response. The comments made by Jeff Miller yesterday accurately reflect the view of the NFL. This was confirmed by comments made by Giants CEO John Mara last Sunday on the eve of the most recent owners meetings in Boca Raton, Florida. I didn't really think what he said was anything new, Maris said of Miller's comments. I know it was portrayed that way, but listen, there's no secret that repeated concussions can have a very serious long-term effect. I don't think we're hiding from it. I know a lot of people accuse us of hiding from it in the past, but I certainly don't think that's the case anymore. We're spending a lot of money trying to get ahead of this thing and trying to get some answers. As I've said before, we've got a lot of the leading experts in the country on this, and it's something we have to keep pouring money into. Keep studying it because it's not going away. Did the NFL somehow become enlightened overnight on this matter, or was this the affirmation of the obvious, simply the best way to dodge bullets from the league's all-time smoking gun? After all, as Mary himself said, concussions are the league's primary issue and nothing else comes close. When you review the history of the league's position on this issue, it's fair to wonder if there isn't something up the NFL's collective sleeve. And to parse Mara's comments, it's clear that the NFL is far more interested in getting ahead of this thing than it is in finding answers. Not everyone fell in with this new revolutionary point of view, which seems a sound strategy. Confirm and deny at the same time and hope the attendant confusion shakes off the scent. When asked about the subject at the owners' meetings this week, Cowboys owner Jerry Jones stuck with the NFL's previous stance. No, that's absurd, Jones said, when asked if there was enough data available to link head trauma suffered while playing football to CTE. There's no data that in any way creates a knowledge. There's no way that you could have made a comment that there is an association and some type of assertion. In most things, you have to back it up by studies. And in this particular case, we all know how medicine is. Medicine is evolving. I grew up being told that aspirin was not good. I'm told now that one a day is good for you. I'm saying that change over the years as we've had more research and knowledge. Setting Jones's aspirin comment aside, it's appropriate to ask what studies Jones is talking about. On March 24th, the New York Times published an article in which it claimed the NFL, either intentionally or not, excluded more than 100 concussions from studies the league claimed were comprehensive from 1996 through 2001. That amounts to over 10% of the total number of concussions in the study. Jones's Cowboys, for example, didn't have a single concussion listed in the study over a six-year stretch, although according to injury reports, quarterback Troy Aikman suffered four concussions during that time. Aikman and 49ers quarterback Steve Young suffered career-ending concussions that were, according to the Times, not in the NFL's data. The Times also discovered and reported legal and lobbying links between the NFL and Big Tobacco. When the Times asked the league about these study disparities, the league responded by saying that the studies never purported to include all concussions, which they actually did, 
and that teams were not mandated to participate when the papers published from the data said the exact opposite. Of course, the league came out with a very strong denial and yet another strong denial, and the Times refuted those denials with, with the Times' own facts. We could go on and on about the league's concussion obfuscation. Let's take a closer look at the claim that Miller's comments accurately reflect the view of the NFL. Dr. Mitch Berger, a member of the NFL's Head, Neck, and Spine Committee, was asked a few days before Super Bowl 50 if there was indeed a link between football and CTE, and he responded thusly. We've seen evidence anecdotally of a number of players who have come to autopsy who have had the diagnosis made. We've also seen a number of players who have done very well. I feel that there is clearly a link to degenerative brain disease and tau, the protein in brains that causes CTE, is one piece of it, and it occurs in all spectrums of life. Berger was then asked point blank if there's a link between football and degenerative brain disorders, and he said that there wasn't. When Miller was asked during the congressional hearings about those statements and if he agreed with them, Miller said, well, I'm not going to speak for Dr. Berger. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell will tout the league's safety measures as owners like Mara will express confusion over the recent uptick in concussion totals. The league will claim global improvements in its concussion protocol as players are still allowed to re-enter games despite obvious concussions. Doctors like Elliot Pellman are still employed by the NFL despite their long histories of concussion denial. And the NFL will claim transparency on the issue even as the $765 million settlement with former players demands immunity from any prior bad faith acts. Given the story told by the Times, it's easy to see why the NFL was so eager to settle. The discovery process alone would have produced an ugliness usually only seen in the nightmares of CEOs, and it's not a given that the NFL won't have to reopen its books more thoroughly if a court deems the settlement was reached under fraudulent circumstances. Whatever story the NFL is trying to tell now, and however much it's at odds with the league's past, there's also the matter of the men who play the game and have played the game and how they feel about this alleged sea change. Some NFL players, past and present, seem to view the NFL's turning point declarations, as William Burroughs once said on another matter, as a thin tissue of horse shit, and those players have every right to believe that this is the case. Listen to the voice of Eugene Monroe, the Ravens' left tackle, and the only current NFL player willing to go fully and completely on the record for this article with his thoughts on the NFL's handling of this. Well, look, I, I remember reading an article um, around the time that the movie Concussion came out. It was a statement by a former teammate of mine uh, in college who, who now plays in New York um, and basically said that, you know, he felt betrayed by, you know, the people who, you know, he works for and trust, you know, his life and, and health with. Um you know, for, you know, either withholding the truth or lying about an issue like this. And, you know, essentially, you know, I have to agree with him. Um, you know, uh, I, you know I, I took time out of my day, uh, you know, that week leading up to the Super Bowl to listen to Goodell, you know, speak, uh, you know, about, you know, well, loosely speak about concussion. They really didn't say much about it, but you know, it's just it's just hard to to hear those things and then for them to finally admit it. Um, but where do we go from there, right? So you know, we can be sour and salty, but you know, if no action is being taken, then you know, we're just wasting our time. So you know, what do we now do with this information? Well, one thing we could do is research because there has been. A lot of research already done that shows that 
you know, marijuana can have a positive impact uh, on, you know, brain and there's been a traumatic injury, which is a concussion. As you heard, Monroe is also a vocal advocate for the use of medical marijuana to help those players who have suffered head trauma and are dealing with its after effects. Many studies have shown that medical marijuana can help restore cognitive function for people who have suffered head trauma. However, the NFL has placed marijuana and kept marijuana on the banned substance list, even in those states where marijuana is currently legal. As Monroe recently told me, he remains baffled at the NFL's inability to progress on that particular issue. By the way, the college teammate that Monroe spoke of is New York Jets starting left tackle DeBrickashaw Ferguson, and the piece Ferguson wrote was a guest article for SI.com published on December 19th, 2005. In that article, Ferguson wrote in part, Perhaps I was a little naive in my understanding of how the brain is affected by hits to the head. As I understood it, concussions dealt with big collisions, typically occurring at the skill positions, such as a wide receiver or defensive back, trying to make a catch and receiving a hit in return from a player he didn't account for, or a running back meeting a linebacker in the, in the hole and colliding, sending both players to the ground dazed or frozen from the impact. Though I am familiar with examples of offensive linemen who have experienced concussions, it was still my contention that the offensive line was one of the safer positions when it came to being susceptible to head injuries. As I've come to find out, it isn't just the large collisions that can be problematic, but rather the smaller con collisions that don't even amount to concussions but happen more frequently that are the real catalysts leading to CTE. After learning all this, I feel a bit betrayed by the people or committees put in place by the league who did not have my best interests at heart. DeBrickashaw Ferguson wrote that a few days after seeing the movie Concussion. Listen to the voice of former NFL guard Will Rackley, who was Monroe's teammate in Jacksonville and Baltimore. Rackley is no longer an NFL player. He retired in 2004 at age 24 after four seasons in a series of concussions. Now at age 26, his life is one of confusion, pain, and an uncertain future. His disability claims were rejected by two NFL-approved doctors and rejected on appeal by a higher league-mandated medical authority. Rackley isn't hurting financially. He played long enough to receive a league pension, but his post-concussive symptoms are on him to deal with. Currently, Rackley receives regular nerve block injections to try and deal with the constant headaches he suffered through the last few years. His doctor sticks a needle into his eyelids, his temples, the back of his skull. The pain, as you could imagine, is agonizing. After his most recent treatment, Rackley told me, his right eye wouldn't open for five hours and he couldn't see straight for a whole day. That's standard operating procedure. The injections aren't working as Rackley would like, and he's now considering Botox. Rackley suffered his final concussion during the Ravens training camp in 2014. He was trying to help a rookie tackle deal with a block. He was on the receiving end of a helmet-to-helmet -helmet hit, and he told me that he knew it was time to retire because the concussion symptoms he suffered that day have never really gone away. He spends his time painting and developing apps and trying to wade through what his life has become. Rackley takes 12 pills a day to deal with the headaches and mood swings and depression and short-term memory and loss and sensitivity to light and noise and on and on and on. He told me that he's become a different person in some ways and the moods are happening that he's never felt before. The pills don't help as much as he'd like either, and he's not sure how the concussion settlement helps him or if it does at all. Again, he's 26 years old. I still have my career in the insurance claim that I've been fighting now for going on two years. Um, but the stuff for my nerve block, that's just me. Um, that's just me going to the doctors trying to find pretty much anything to, um, 
subside my symptoms for my uh, post-concussion syndrome. Actually, actually, right now, as we speak, I'm, I'm, I have a pretty, pretty bad headache. But um, yeah, we've been. I've been trying so many different medications. I take like I take about twelve medications, twelve pills a day, and nothing, nothing's helping. What are your symptoms besides headaches? It's the headache. It's, the, it's pretty much all your concussion symptoms. So it's the sensitivity uh, to light, um, some noise, dizziness, um, nausea. Um, the confusion, I have a problem, I have a short-term memory issue, um, uh, what else, there's a lot of things, um, those are the, the pretty much the basic one, but, um, it's made, it's giving me boom swings, so my, something has to deal with, uh, kind of emotion, it's made, uh, irritability, it's really bad, which I never had a problem with for my last concussion. Uh, the mood swings, uh, there's times of depression that come out of nowhere, and I'm not even that type of person, but it's, it's really bad. I'm on medication for that, too. Uh, the irritability, not the depression. Rackley received a final exam after the 2014 season, wasn't cleared up through the concussion protocol, and that's the last time he's heard from the organization or from the league outside of the disability claims that were rejected. As Monroe told me of his friend, his story is one of many. Listen to the voice of former safety Hamza Abdullah, who played in the NFL from 2005 through 2011 and made it out of the league without serious medical repercussions. His younger brother Hussein currently plays safety for the Kansas City Chiefs. The elder Abdullah knew what he was in for when he played, but that doesn't dampen his cynicism regarding the NFL's message on head trauma, now or then. Uh, my reaction was, it starts. That's the first thing I thought about. It starts. The truth, you know, the truth can only be held for so long. You can only do what's held for so long. Um, and, you know, first you get a slip of the tongue, then you get someone, you know, trying to correct it, and them kind of going behind the scenes and saying, hey, wait a minute, you know, you, you made a boo-boo, you made a mistake, go back and correct what you said. But under that pressure, you know, as, as players, we understand the pressure of an NFL moment, but, you know, here you have representatives from the NFL, you know, they're, they're amongst the nuts. You know, a different type of pressure being, you know, with Congress and these, you know, influencers and people who are looking to have the best interest of the public at heart. So, you know, they're going to ask these tough questions. And when you're, you know, when that microphone is in your face and you have to tell the truth, it's a lot different than being uh, at a press conference where you're kind of the, where you can kind of say what you want. You know, you can avoid the questions. But when you have someone who has, the public interest, the, 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 the public interest of the nation and of, you know, of families, uh, you can't lie. And that's what I, that's what I saw from, from the NFL was just, you know, it starts. Abdullah is one of the lucky ones. He had concussions during his career, but he's relatively healthy now, and he simply hopes that that will continue as he grows older. I will say there's not a person in the NFL who hasn't suffered a concussion. I don't care what position they play. If you played long enough, you've suffered a concussion. If you made a tackle, if you made a few tackles, you you've suffered a concussion. So it's not really a it's not really a point of if you had it just kinda of win and even how many. I think it's really tough to uh quantify them because up until just a few years ago we didn't even know what a concussion was. All this, these terms of got my bell rung or I feel dizzy or woozy, uh, just a minute, big guy. 
uh, you know, now we know those were concussions. But I think from team to team, there were different ways to address it. Um, when I was in Cleveland, uh, I got my, I got knocked out of a game and they, you know, they were very, you know, kind of on their tippy toes, like, hey, you know, we have to make sure I'm okay. Uh, they took me out the game immediately. Uh, that night, uh, I went home and they checked up on me when I went home. I had to come in and I did all the baseline tests, things like that. So they took it. It was, it was totally different from when I was in Denver, which was um, in the early, like, 2006, 2007, where, you know, I got hit. And, you know, I'm like, hey, man, I can't see. It was a story. Uh, we're playing Monday Night Football against the Tennessee Titans, and I told them I can't see. And I was wearing contacts at the time. So they thought, oh, maybe he needs to get contact. So in, in the middle of Monday Night Football, I go to the uh, a trainer's just me. We go to the locker room. I go. They give me my new contacts, take off my gloves. I get, put my contact in my on my finger. I open my eyes. I'm looking in the mirror. I go to put my contact in, and there was already contact there. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay. I didn't lose my contact, but I still can't see. Uh, and then, of course, now I realize, okay, I was knocked out. I had a concussion. Listen to the voice of Jeff Schwartz, who's played for the Panthers, Vikings, Chiefs, and Giants. He was recently released by the Giants and is looking for another team where he can play guard as a starter or backup. Schwartz is one of the smartest players I've ever talked to, and he's balancing the realities of risk with the desire to strap on the pads once again. You know, when I first called, the, you know, I first heard about it on Twitter, um, I don't know if he didn't think much about it because I think we already know that there's a link. <laughs> so, you know, them admitting it, after the court case settled, you know, doesn't really, didn't really, you know, really do much for me. I mean, I, I have my own opinions on things. I don't, I don't need some, I always need other people's opinion, you know, opinions to, to validate my, you know, my, the way I think. Not every voice interested and affected will be heard here or elsewhere. Some players I contacted for this podcast and for this article preferred not to be interviewed at all for this piece. The reasons were two, the fear of alienating potential employers and the potential schism of being the guy in the locker room who was a bit too worried about concussions. As one player told me, it's easy to comment on this when you have guaranteed money. The NFL produces a violent game. Concussions happen and they will continue to happen. If you are involved in football in any capacity, you'd better accept that reality. But what struck me in talking to these current and former players is that they each accepted that reality readily. They knew, to greater or lesser degrees, the risks they were taking, and they'd do it again if they could, to a man. What I sensed, though, was a cynicism and a lack of trust toward the league, based on the NFL's inability to keep its story straight. Based on the league's inability to create outreach solutions for players like Will Rackley, who's left to deal with things on his own and out of his own pocket. Based on the league's inability to deal in a fair way with the players who, in the end, will each lose this war of attrition in their own individual ways. Before things can get better, the NFL has to rip up its old paradigm and realize that this is less about blame and more about accountability and responsibility. Two words Roger Goodell throws around with alarming regularity, considering the fact that he appears to have no knowledge of what those words mean. In short, the NFL player of today doesn't believe that the league has his best interest at heart, and given the league's history of self-preservation as its primary modus operandi, there's no reason for today's player to believe any differently, no matter how the message is spun. Thank you for listening to the first Off the Grid podcast. This is Doug Farrar.